author Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. On this episode, I'm going to be presenting my interview with the late Irvin Drake. Irvin Drake is one of only a couple of people who could arguably be considered songwriters of the American songbook that was still alive in recent years. This was a very candid interview. It was done over the telephone. You'll hear a bit of that telephony sound. And his wife, Edith Drake, who has also passed away, shared her perspectives. Irvin Drake was an inductee of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He wrote several standard songs. Probably the most well-known would be It Was a Very Good Year. That song was first recorded by the Kingston Trio. The most famous version was recorded by the singer of singers, Frank Sinatra. He was a composer and a lyricist. He was also a visual artist. He was involved in television. He wrote, composed, and produced some 700 primetime network television programs. Some of the other songs that he wrote, Perdido, Good Morning Heartache, which he wrote the lyrics for, that was a co-write. Probably the most famous version of Good Morning Heartache was recorded by the late Billie Holiday. Another great song that he wrote with a kind of religious theme to it would be I Believe, which he co-wrote. I Believe has been recorded by many artists, including Aaron Neville, which is a version that I suggest you check out. There are a lot of songs that he wrote English lyrics for. They were existing songs, and he put the English lyric to it. You might know the song Tico Tico. I'm sad to say that Irvin Drake and his wife, Edith Drake, are no longer with us, but I am glad that I had the opportunity to record this conversation. I hope you all enjoy. Let me know what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, Irvin Drake. It's a great pleasure. I'm very happy to, Paul. Who is Irvin Drake? <laughs> That's a funny question. Why don't you ask my wife that? How do you define Irvin Drake? <laughs> I would define him as a very charming husband, very witty, and very humorful to be with. I understand very few women have the privilege of having that kind of a, a husband. <laughs> Aside from all his other attributes... Does that answer the question? I think so. <laughs> also very lovable and very easy to please. He's always praising my cooking, and I'm not a cook. <laughs> Hold on. Here's Irvin. Okay, how was that? That was good. Now my question for you. How would you define your wife, Mrs. Drake? How would I define her? As very yeah. lucky to be married to me. <laughs> Most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? What was life like growing up? Sometimes it was just fun, playing on roller skates and, and going to the park and playing baseball, the hardball, and like that. What kind of music did you hear growing up? Well, I heard very, very good popular music growing up because we had a lot of good popular music in those days. It wasn't like now at all. Did you have favorites? Oh, yes. Rogers and Hart, Cole Porter, the Silver Brown and Henderson. Those are some of my favorites. Where were you born? 
in the Bronx, in New York. Have you lived in New York your whole life? No, I, I lived in Great Bank, Long Island, many, many years. Can you remember the first song you ever wrote? Yes. It was called Now Honey. Now, honey, won't you listen, honey? Won't you listen to my song of love? Now, honey, won't you listen, honey? Won't you be my little turtle dove? And I must tell you that at that time, I thought a turtle dove was a very slow-moving animal with a, uh, a, you know, very hard back and part dove, which was a cute little bird like a wren. What about the first song that you wrote that was recorded by somebody? Uh, I think it was Don't Just Stand There, Do Something, recorded by Horace Height. How did you feel the first time you heard something you wrote recorded by another artist? Thrilled. I was really thrilled. When you think about all of the songs you've written that have been recorded, yeah. is there one that you can say is a favorite version? Yes. Frank Sinatra, It Was a Very Good Year. That's certainly a very famous song. What was the inspiration behind the song, It Was a Very Good Year, that you wrote? The Girl Who Lived Up the Stair was my true inspiration. That was my wife. Is and is my wife. I was very much in love with her, and I'm no less in love with her today. Our special guest is songwriter Irvin Drake. How did Frank Sinatra come to record that song? It was a very good year. He told me that he heard a recording by the, by the Kingston Trio, and he liked it very much, and he thought, he, he said that that would be very good for my one of his albums. That was it. Are you more moved by the lyrics or the melody of a song? Of another person's song? Of another person's song or even your own song? They should, the lyrics and music should be, go together so well that it would seem as though they were never intended for any other melody or words. Of the songwriters today, who do you think some of the best songwriters are? Charles Strauss is alive. He's written wonderful songs. What makes a good song a good song? What makes a good song a good song? That appeals to you. If it appeals to you, it's a good song. If it doesn't appeal to you, it's not a good song. Another song you had a hand in writing is Good Morning Heartache. Yes. Tell us about writing that one. I was very much in love with a, a young woman, and she was giving me a hard time. So I, my reaction to that was, to walk, to, uh, to wake up, you know, in the morning and and be brokenhearted because she wasn't with me, and so I would sing "Good Morning Heartache." Who would you say has recorded the best version of "Good Morning Heartache"? The best version of "Good Morning Heartache," Billie Holiday. Yeah, she was the first one and the best one. Our special guest is songwriter Irvin Drake. Tell us about writing Perdido. I think that was Duke Ellington's group, Perdido. And I, the lyric I wrote went, Perdido, I look for my heart, it's Perdido. I lost it way down in Torito the day the fiesta started. Now, I must tell you, there is no such place as Torito. I made it up. <laughs>
<laughs> kind of dumb. Is it true you had a hand in writing the English lyrics of the song Tico Tico? Oh, yes, I wrote them completely, yeah. How did you get the inspiration for those lyrics? For Tico Tico? Well, it occurred to me that it had the movement of a clock, so I made it oh, Tico Tick, Tico Tico Tick, Tico Tico Tock, Tick Tock. Tico Tico, he's the cuckoo in my clock. So when he says cuckoo, he means it's time to woo. It's Tico time for all the lovers on the block. I got a heavy date, a tater tater date. So speak of Tico, tell me, is it getting late? If I'm on time, cuckoo. If I'm late, woo woo. The one my heart has gone to may not want to wait. For just a birdie and a birdie who goes nowhere. He knows if every love is late and how to go there. As for the fans of the heart, my Tico is terribly smart. He tells me gently, sentimentally at the start. Uh-oh, I hear Tico calling. Because his time is right and shades of night are falling. I love that not-so-cuckoo-cuckoo in the clock. Tico, 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 my wife said uh, that I should tell you that I used to write for television. I was actually going to ask you about that. Yeah, and I, I used to produce a lot of the shows. And I had big stars on there. There weren't those little stars, only big stars. Y- yes. And you worked with Milton Berle and Jackie Gleason, is that correct? What was Jackie Gleason like to work with? Jackie, uh... <laughs> What would he like to work with? Gleason. He, he wasn't very easy to work with, Mr. Gleason. Milton Burrow was much, much easier to work with. Milton was more friend than just a, another actor. Not only did Frank Sinatra record your song, it was a very good year, but you also knew him, isn't that correct? Oh, yes. What was his personality like, Mr. Sinatra's? Fascinating. He was an intellectual in the first place, which nobody would know, but he was. He was interested in everything. He read, read a new book every day. That's what he told me. And uh, how could you not find a person like that very interesting? He didn't sleep much. He did, uh, oh, yeah, he, he told me he didn't sleep much. He'd go to bed and, and he wouldn't, wouldn't fall asleep until 5 or 6 in the morning. Was he agreeable? Very easy to get along with. Yeah, very well. Wasn't there one occasion when you were with Frank Sinatra and you also encountered Elvis Presley? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. And we sat with, with Elvis. Frank and I sat with Elvis for a long time. Finally, Elvis said, well, he had to go. And he left. And I said to Frank, I don't know much about this young man, but I'll tell you this. Whatever he does, he's going to be interesting. And Frank said, I agree. He's very interesting. Do you still write songs? Yes. Oh, sure. Tell us about some of the songs you've written recently. I'm looking at my wife now because she'll remember. Oh, you wrote a song at the liberal club of that. Oh, oh, oh. Edith has reminded me of an unusual kind of song that I wrote within the last year, I guess, and that was I'm, I'm a uh, I'm a I'm a card carrying 
I'm card-carrying uh, something liberal. I'm a card-carrying ble- bleeding heart liberal. Gotcha. Yeah, and it was recorded by uh, our friend, huh? Uh, Christine Lavin. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, you know, went around the country everywhere. And and then sometimes she'd call me at night when she was playing a place and uh, and ask me questions about it on the phone, and I'd answer it. And we had a very great time that way because she's a big, not only a big talent, but she's a wonderful person. Well, my wife just reminded me of one that I wrote. Oh yes. Because I heard uh, then-President George W. Bush, not famous for being a um, an intellect, he started talking about gay people. And I thought to myself, what an idiot this man is. If it weren't for the gay people in the world, we wouldn't have nearly the art that we have, whether music or paintings, singing, whatever. I mean, the gay people have given us so much, and I'm sure we'll continue to. What do you think about the songwriting of Jimmy Webb? I think he's a very talented songwriter and a very good performer as well, Jimmy Webb. Yeah, we live within a mile or so of each other. And what about songwriter Paul Williams? I think he's wonderful, Williams. Sure. And I think I think ASCAP, which is, is the organization I belong to, I think they're very lucky to have him as their president. What do you think about the songwriting of Paul Simon? Paul Simon, we know uh, with Art Garfunkel, and one of their songs that they wrote, bridge, like a bridge over troubled waters, I think is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. As far as the people singing the standards today, yeah. Is there anyone you think, Michael Bublé, Steve Tyrell, that's particularly good at interpreting those songs? Yeah, well, you just mentioned Bublé. I think he, he's superior. My wife reminds me that I once had a, uh, a Broadway show called What Makes Sammy Run, starring Steve Lawrence, Sally Ann House, and Robert Alder, and it was very popular. What is the best thing about being Irvin Drake? Being married to Edith Drake. That's the best thing about being Irvin Drake. Do the two of you travel a lot? We have in the past, yeah. And, you know, we're getting a little older now. I'm 93 and she's 90, and you don't travel as much as you used to. We've been to Russia and Finland, Italy and, and France, England. We Oh, we love being in England. It's, it's really a thrill. And it's so easy because we share a common language. How do you feel about the state of the music business today? How do I feel about the state of the music business today? Yeah, <laughs> you just said it's different. It, it could be better. Really, it could be better. One second. One of the things that's interesting is that my husband neglected to, to speak about that wonderful entertainer, Chris Bode, recently did a magnificent version of Good Morning Heartache. It was really fun to hear him. We 
when he was in the East, we would go to all the different performances. He originally invited us to London to hear the recording being made, and it, and the background was the London Symphony Orchestra. It's a magnificent recording, and it was just fun being there. The recording studio was the same studio that the Beatles recorded in. I can't remember. Do you remember the name of the? It's still being used. Ab- for reco- Abbey Road. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of any of the other things that might be interesting to you. <laughs> he did so many things for television, and he used many, many stars. Louis Jordan. He even had Johnny Carson, who and and people that didn't normally appear on shows. I'm trying to think of some of the other people, darling. <laughs> He has a very varied background, and he'd get mail from all over the world, people admiring particularly the lyrics of It Was a Very Good Year, and it's used in many places as a piece of poetry. It's really been an interesting life. Yeah, teachers. Yeah, teachers use that, and, and many of the other songs that he's written. It's been an exciting life for Irvin. It hasn't ended. We're very active. We're in New York at least two or three evenings or afternoons a week. We have many, many friends. Unfortunately, all of our older friends, our peer group, have sort of disappeared. But Mr. Drake and I are very active. We don't walk around with canes or walkers or anything. We're still out there and making ourselves known, and it, life has been very dear to us and good to us, and we really enjoy it. <laughs> I thought that might be interesting because I'm sure many of your older listeners would find that very encouraging. <laughs> yes, yes. Mr. Drake is also a cartoonist and an artist. He didn't even mention that. He used to, he had considered doing cartooning as a, to make a living, but somehow he drifted into music and he never left it. <laughs> I have a question for you, Mrs. Drake. We love to answer it. When you think about Mr. Drake's songs, what do you think he is stronger at, writing the lyric or the melody? He's is equally strong for melody and for lyrics because he's a very articulate man. He's a man, for example, when we went to Italy, he fell in love with everything Italian, which is easy to do because everything in Italy is magnificent. The music and the language and the architecture and the art. And uh, when we came home, uh, he just mentioned a city like Venice, which is it's just like being in an art gallery. In any event, when we came home, he went to school and learned to speak Italian, and he loved it so much he began to do crossword puzzles in Italian. He wrote many lyrics in Italian for people. He's very articulate, and so unlike many people, he really was very, very good in all the arts, but I think his ability to write the music and the lyric is his, the strongest part of his ability, and he's made his mark on the world. There's no question about it. He just received two more medals, one for having, what was it called? Lifetime Achievement. He just got 
uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Mac Award people, and that was given at B.B. King's in New York, and that's a, a famous place to go to in New York. And then he received another medal from ASCAP, the towering song of 2012, which means that his song has entered into our vocabulary in a, yeah, a national consciousness like, say, take me out to the ball game. It's so indigenous to the American people and arts. So he's he's made his mark, I must That's say. That's for certain. <laughs> well, what about your favorite of your husband, Irvin Drake's songs? I love The Friendliest Thing Two People Can Do. It's a song from Sammy, What Makes Sammy Run, and it's a wonderful song about people and people in love and sexual relations, and it's called The Friendliest Thing Two People Can Do. And it actually, without saying it, says it's to make love. But it's just beautiful. And he wrote a charming song from Sammy called What Makes, I mean, uh, called A Room Without Windows. That's played frequently by different, sung by different people and played. And he also wrote another show with Her First Roman Roman with with Richard Kiley and Leslie Uggams. And, uh... It, it, they were playing the characters of Caesar and Cleopatra, and that really has magnificent music, but it unfortunately was never presented properly. If you're not produced properly, it never became a hit. But those two stars in it were wonderful. How did the two of you meet? We met when he was in college, and he wrote. A, he already had started to write musicals, and he went to the College of the City of New York, which at that time had no women students. So, the name of that uh, music was Love, Honor, and Oh Baby, and they needed six girls, and they sent out to the High School of Music and Art, and there is the beginning of our relationship. I, I was one of the six girls, and as he tells it, he saw me, and that was it. And we've known each other now for probably over 70 years. And we had a lovely relationship. And then I started to get restless because when you're a young girl and things happen to you, like you become a model, etc., and I started to do a little show business, I wanted to see other people. So we parted, and that's when he wrote Good Morning Heartache. And then we separated. We married different people. And then my husband died, and then his wife died. And 30 years later, I called to tell him how sorry I was. I noticed it in the obituaries in the Times. And he said, hello, Edith. He recognized my voice. And that was the beginning of our new relationship, and we've been together for over 30 years. (laughs) Wow. No, no, that's all right. That really has made the rounds all in New York. People know us, and everybody talks about the fact that we've been together that long, and we're still very active, and we go to theater, and we go to cabaret, and cabaret is still big in New York. That's our life at the present time. This last question is for both of you. What would you like to say to anyone listening in? 
One of the things I would like to say to people is that one of the most important things besides reading and keeping up with things so that your life has more meaning, I would also like to tell them that one is responsible for one's health and that you have to start early by exercising, which we do every day, eating properly, drinking enough water, and we ascribe our health also to a famous man that is no longer living called Nathan Pritikin, P-R-I-T-I-K-I-N. We've been more or less living his prescription for life, and that was exercise every day and eating properly by that term, you know, watching your cholesterol. Nobody ever spoke about that, but we've been watching it, and we're really in excellent health, and that makes life when you're older exciting. And a lot of people embrace old age, 50, 55, they're sitting in front of television, not growing and taking care of themselves. I hope I made myself clear. (laughs) I guess that's really what I feel about. But, you know, you come onto the earth alone, you leave it alone, and one is responsible for one's own health and attitude and never stop learning. You have to read a lot and listen a lot, and life can be a big adventure. (laughs) And it's been lovely speaking to you. Lovely to meet you. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. and Mrs. Irvin Drake, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Pleasure indeed, Leslie. Bye. Zip, bip, bibbidi bop, boobity zing, dang, bon, chichi, cuddly zing, bang, do, coo. Goodbye.